Um, and and I want to go over this because this is the backstories for all the ghosts in this movie because they actually matter. They're actually pretty cool. Ghost lives matter, okay? Yeah, the Spirit Reclamation Society said so. They so. do have rights. Um, so th- these are the 12 ghosts slash the Black Zodiac or Earthbound Spirits. Um, we have uh, Mikhail Speedle playing the Firstborn Son. Oh, they actually have names? Uh, well, the actors do. Oh, boo. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this is a ghost of the little bratty boy named Billy Michaels. So there you go. The ghost does have a name. Billy the Kid. Uh, yep. Uh, who loved to pretend to be a cowboy. And one day, another little kid challenged Billy to a duel. But Billy's cap gun was no match for that boy's real steel-tipped oh, arrow that Billy's ghost still carries. Unlike most of the ghosts, this one is a mild threat, never attacking anyone and just saying, I want to play. Yeah, he's a creepy little fucker, too. Um, we have Daniel Wesley playing the torso. Wait, they legit had a person playing the torso. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the torso is just kind of flopping around. <laughs> like, they couldn't make some kind of robot torso to flop around? Uh, listen, they got to give people, I mean, this is all union jobs. They they can't be given union pay to you no know, robots now, no no rob, robotics out here. So Whatever, oh. whatever. All right, Daniel, tell us your story. <laughs> so Jimmy the Gambler Gambino was a gambler in the early 1900s who caught the attention of the mafia. After he lost a boxing bet and didn't have the money to pay up, the mafia cut him into pieces and wrapped him in cellophane, dumping the remains in the ocean. His ghost appears as a torso with a severed head nearby and a more neutral spirit uh, than actively hostile. Wait, speaking of finding bodies, have you heard about all the bodies they're finding in the desert right now? Because there's a, a lake that has dried out because, you know, fucking Nevada's in the fucking desert. And well, no. Was that a mafia uh, drop-off point? They're saying it is, yes. And so Lake River, I don't know what the fuck it is. Anyways, um, they're finding barrels. Are we, are we about to find out what happened to Jimmy Hoff? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. Well, not really. I don't know if they found him yet. But they're finding bodies in barrels that were in these lakes because they're, they're basically washing up at this point because the water's fucking going bye-bye. And most of them so far, uh, bullets in the head first and then body in the barrel. It's like, why, why they didn't make them suffer. At least they didn't make them suffer. They got to put them in that barrel and then threw it in the fucking lake. All we need is Craig T. Nelson to come in screaming. It's like, you moved the lake, but you didn't move the bodies. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So they're finding bodies. And yeah, that's probably where they found uh, uh, Jimmy the Gambler's body. (laughs) With his cement shoes that was Mm -hmm. uh, handcrafted just for him. Yep. Um. We have Laura Minnell playing the bound woman uh, who was, and Susan LeGrow or LeGrow was the richest girl in town and was very popular. Her one flaw was that the way that she toyed with boys and men during her senior prom night, she was killed by a jilted ex named uh, Chet Walters, a star quarterback after che- uh, catching her cheating with another guy. Her ghost lures Bobby into the dangerous basement and still shows in the prom attire bound ropes holding her arms. All right. There you go. We have Catherine Anderson, the withered lover. uh, Jean Criticos was a happy and devoted wife and mother. She died as a result of fire injuries at St. Luke's Hospital half a year before the events of the film. Unlike most of the ghosts, she is not dangerous. She is benevolent. Which, I mean, her death scene in the movie, I was like, get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> That's all yeah, I was, I was like. On. I was like, I get what. Okay, like I get we need to have this, but can they make this a little more realistic? You know how people like fall asleep and they don't know that their house caught on fire, so they died in their sleep in a fire. That would make more sense. Screaming, get to the children! Oh my god, I can't find my way out. I'm lost. Help me! I'm dying. It burns well, so could, bad. You couldn't have Monk crying for the whole entire movie though. If you if you you know, change that scene up at all. I so, guess so. Okay. Okay. We have a uh, Craig Ole I don't know how you say his last name. Olegnik, uh playing the torn prince. Uh, Royce Clayton was a gifted and famous teenage baseball player in the 1950s who caught the eye of colleges around the USA. Thanks to his challenger, a greaser who set him up. Royce died in an accident caused by cut break lines. His remains are still buried at the baseball diamond, and his ghost carries his baseball bat. Ooh. 
we have sh- now this is the one that most guys are interested in of course they Shana are lawyer <laughs> we have shot a lawyer playing a uh, uh, lawyer i think is how her name is playing the angry princess Dana Newman was a beautiful but abused lady who lived in the late 20th century. She had plastic surgeries to alter her perceived flaws, and after a a botched experiment that mutilated her eye, she brutally killed herself in a bathtub at the clinic. Her ghost often carries blood, is naked, and carries the same knife she used to commit suicide. (laughs) Those ghost boobies. Titties galore. Yep. And, and that's the funny thing. I want to throw this out there since we're talking about it. Uh, you cast uh, Shannon Elizabeth, uh, or is that her name? Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Wait, yes, you yes. Ca- yeah. You cast Shannon Elizabeth in a movie at this time period. You're casting her for her, basically her, her boobs and her body. She shows nothing in this film. Now, I mean, good honor for like arguing against that, but like she's basically wasting this. But like it's not like they they give her like the best thing to act from. You know, it's like, okay, well if you're not gonna show your body, then we'll give you a juicy, you know, acting role. No. It's like so but then like, you know, and the the one piece I can't in the movie is, you know, is the Angry Princess. It's just kind of weird. Like I'm gonna throw it out there as a criticism of the movie. It's like why why cast Shannon Elizabeth? She's not like the greatest actress ever. Like <laughs> I mean Yeah, she was pretty much looks back in the day. Um a body and look and everything. And I mean I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess that, they wanted to give her a chance. And she wasn't half bad in the film. She, she wasn't terrible, but I mean they didn't give her a lot to go on. Mm-hmm. It's like she she disappeared at times about as much as the kid did. Yeah, that's true. And then everyone was looking for ghost tits a lot. <laughs> and she was everywhere. The angry princess. I don't understand why she was considered an angry princess. It does that was a stupid name for her. I don't understand. I, the, the, some of these names I have no idea, you know, why yeah. they what they did. I mean, so like, that's like they got the prince too, the the torn prince. He wasn't exactly a prince, but whatever. Okay. Well, and the, well, the torn part of it, what was torn about him? I mean, like, did, did his head, I mean, because his head wasn't cut off. The, the torso makes sense, but, you know, like, I, I don't understand it. But anyways, uh, we have Xantha Radley playing the Pilgrimess. Uh, Isabella Smith, uh, Isabella Smith came to no- uh, North America as a colonist in order to find a new life after being an orphan in England. The tight-knit community ostracized and ignored her and used her as a scapegoat, being accused of witchcraft when crops and animals mysteriously died. She denied such accusations, but she was trapped in a burning barn and ma- but barely um, but managed to escape unharmed. That sealed her fate, and she died of starvation after being condemned to the pillory that she uh, carries now as her as a ghost. Her skin is badly damaged. Yeah. Uh, we have C. Ernst Hearth playing the great child, and this is one of the grossest ones. In the yeah. Movie. Don't there? There's a there's a bad part of the internet dedicated to things like this great child. Don't don't get down on that part of the internet. Just that's <laughs> don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't go down that road. You know, uh, to quote uh, the late great Fred Gwynn. Um, Harold Shelburne was a mentally disabled man who never outgrew diapers and had to be spoon-fed even as a fully grown adult. He often uh, made baby sounds. After being mocked, teased, and tormented uh, relentlessly all of his life, he caused a massacre at the old freak show where he and his mother, Margaret Shelburne, lived. Some of the freaks had kidnapped and killed his mother as a joke one night. The circus owner, Jimbo, had Harold mutilated beyond recognition. His ghost appears as Harold did in life with a small patch of hair, a bib covered in vomit, and cloth diapers. He still holds the axe that he used to kill his enemies. Whoa. <laughs> we have Laurie Soper playing the dire mother. Margaret Shelburne, Harold's mother, was a shy little lady standing three feet tall. She never could stand up for herself. At the freak show where she lived, she was raped by the tall man, another circus freak, and gave birth to her illegitimate son, Harold, whom she loved more than life itself. She smothered and spoiled him from infancy and never stopped as he grew. This is the main reason for Harold's mental handicap. The two were abused to the point where Harold killed almost the entire circus after Margaret died. As ghosts, they remain together, with Harold being protective. Like the torso, she is not aggressive and is more of a neutral spirit. Mm-hmm. Herbert Duncanson plays the hammer. Now, this is a badass mm-hmm. you know, ghost. A happy and honest family man and blacksmith, George Markley, was falsely accused of stealing by a higher-up named Nathan and threatened with exile from their old western town. George refused to leave, and his family was lynched by Nathan and his <laughs> band of thugs. 
While walking home from the town market one day, seeking justice in the corrupt town, George took his blacksmith's hammer and killed those responsible, but the townsfolk chained him to a tree and drove railroad spikes into his body. His left hand was cut off and, a, and his hammer was crudely attached to it. His ghost is one of the more angry spirits and is partially responsible for Dennis's death. Yep. <clears throat> that's kind of a, I mean, that's, that's one of the most aggravating scenes in the movie. It's because you take the best actor in the movie, Matthew Lillard, and then you kill him off. And it's like, oh, fuck, now what are we going to do? <laughs> he, uh, he, gets to, he gets to have his uh, redemption. Yeah, yeah, he they either ring him back, so it's not like he's gone forever. Yeah. Uh, Shane Wyler, the Jackal, born to a prostitute in 1887, Ryan Coon developed a sick appetite for women, attacking and raping strays and prostitutes in the night. Strays? He went to, <laughs> well, strays, that's what it says. He voluntarily went to uh, Boreham and Wood Institute uh, to, uh, for treatment to cure his problem, but the medical practices made him much worse, causing him to go completely insane after years of solitary confinement, having his head locked in a cage after breaking out of his straitjacket and developing a hatred of humanity. When the asylum burst in the flames, he chose to stay behind and perish in the fire. His ghost carries his torn straitjacket with a torn uh, cubic head cage. It is called a sign of hell's winter. Uh, he is one of the more aggressive and violent ghosts, attacking and nearly killing Kathy before Kalina saves her. Uh, and then we have the last one, which is the one that they're catching at the beginning of the film, mm -hmm. and probably the, the biggest badass, John DeSantis, playing the juggernaut. Horace Breaker Mahoney was born very disfigured and was an outcast his entire life. His mother abandoned him at a tender age, and his dad put him to work in the junkyard, using his unusual strength to crush cars. After his dad died, Horace went insane. He would take motorists and hitchhikers, tear them apart with his bare hands, and feed the remains to his dogs. Woo. After several of these murders, he was arrested. A SWAT team shot and killed him when he broke free of his handcuffs. As a ghost, he remained at the junkyard with his body riddled with bullet holes, killing intruders. Both Dennis and Cyrus remarked that his kill count numbered in the 40s, making this ghost one of the most evil and dangerous of the 12. Woo. Woo. Um, so if that doesn't tip anybody off, since Cyrus was not mentioned, and of course in this movie Cyrus is the actual uncle who's you know doing the you know collecting the ghost. Since he was not mentioned as a ghost, that means that he was not killed at the beginning of the movie. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So synopsis: uh, Wealthy world traveler Cyrus Criticos has employed the help of a physical medium. Dennis, to track down the spirits of 12 lost souls, seemingly because he can and is bored, uh, about as reasonable as flying into space in a penis rocket, you know, so he seemingly dies capturing the 12th and final spirit, spoiler alert, he does not, uh, the juggernaut, and in a strange turn of fate, leaves his estate to his estranged nephew, Arthur Criticos. Arthur, a single father of two children and a recent widower, is barely making ends meet when he receives word he has inherited his uncle's home and considerable fortune. It's a situation that seems too good to be true, and that proves to be the case when his family enters the strange glass mansion, uh, glass-walled mansion uh, left behind by Cyrus. The family, along with Dennis the medium, pretending to be someone from the electric company, and Cyrus's lawyer are trapped within the strange home when a large machine is activated at the center. The group must navigate a shifting puzzle box while avoiding being killed by the murderous spirits that have been trapped within. Also that Cyrus, still living, can power up this strange machine and open the Ocularis Infernum, the source of all knowledge in the universe. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, that's, what, pretty much, that's pretty much what it is. It so. is what it is, but and, and now that I'm thinking about it, now that you've said it that way or now that you put it into words, it's like... Or what are you gonna what are you gonna do with that what would you do with all the power and knowledge or all the knowledge in the universe uh, and the funny thing is if you were using it to get rich he's already rich he's yeah. rich beyond belief because i mean he, he literally just did nothing but travel the world for shits and giggles i mean yeah. <clears throat> so oh, well I not shits know. and giggles more like spirits and and Spirits. Spirits and, and spirits and uh, naked bloody titties, I guess, is what he, he did it for. But well, that's, She wasn't even supposed to be the angry princess. He just saw her and was like, ah, yeah, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. He's like, this ghost is not supposed to be the angry princess, but she's going to be the angry princess. She will this. fucking work. She will work for the purposes of this. Um, and he's also the one that, in theory, invented the glasses that allows him to see the spirits. Um 
I don't know. I mean, it's like, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing with the, 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 the thing about this movie that's weird to me is that it's got all this lore that's either not even in the, you know, really fully addressed in the movie. Um, and it's not really even hinted at as a far, I mean, the only thing, I think the only backstories that they hint at in the movie is maybe the angry princess and, uh, and the juggernaut. Like, like that's the only two that they really even talk about. Uh, they don't, they talk um, about the hammer too. Uh, they might, uh, Dennis might say something about the hammer, but it, they don't really go that far into his background. Yeah. But, they very briefly go over the, at least they introduce the other ones. Like, I think they did a better job, I should say. Yeah, and I mean, so they have all this lore, and then they have all this back lore about the uh, the, the Earthbound spirits, the the twelve signs of the Black Zodiac, which gets brought up by that uh, the lady from the Spirit Reclamation, you know, uh, group, like one time in the movie, it's like a plot point, and it's like all this lore that they came up with, and it's just you know one little piece, and they throw it to the side. Yeah, and. I don't know. It's like big portions of the movie go by and it's like they, they have this stuff, but then they don't like, they give you a little too much at times, but then like the movie sparse, like, you know, it doesn't even use most of it. And I'm just kind of like, what was the point? Like you don't really work it in. They don't work it in like evenly throughout the movie. I don't feel like. Yeah. Uh, it's like that Ocularis and Infernum or whatever. It's like, I mean, obviously that, you know, they, they mentioned that and they, you know, it's got like a, a, a you know, a, a, Roman or a Latin name. So, I mean, you figure that it might have like some kind of ancient backstory, but they never bring it up and they don't necessarily say what he's going to gain by gaining all the world or all the universe's knowledge. I mean, I don't know what that's going to, if that's going to make him godlike somehow, you know, because he'll be all knowing at that point. Um, I don't know. It's just weird. They, they have weird things like that in this movie. Do you think it's because the scenery in this movie is pretty amazing? If we're being well, honest. that's what I was going to say. The one thing you could say about this movie, and, or, and even even Roger Ebert, you know, who we have covered many times, is is horrible. It you know, like reviewing like any kind of movie like this. It's you know, uh, not like some kind of Oscar bait movie. He even admitted that this movie has fantastic production, and yeah. you have to admit that, like the way that they built the sliding walls, the glass mansion, the fact that they lit that thing, and it actually you can you know that it works because I mean I was telling you. Uh, prior to this, like something that I noticed, like watching, you know, like indie movies and like, you know, and also that uh, there was a Donnie Darko, uh, like behind the scenes featurette that I watched. The main difference between an indie film and, or one of the big differences between any film and like a full on production is the ability to or properly light the thing to where it actually, you know, it doesn't look like it's, you know, you're, you're just filming it with a camera. Like it's got like movie quality lighting the amount of lighting it would have took to make this movie look the way it did. Like these people knew what they were doing because it was all glass walls. I mean, you, they had to have known like where to put, hide the lights and put them, you know, oh, like, yeah. I, I was sitting there thinking about that. Everything is well, very well lit. And like, just the, the only thing that I didn't like was that the actual Ocularis Infernum, whenever it really gets going way too CGI. And it was that bad yeah. early 2000 CGI too, whenever it went, but that's the only problem I had with it. The actual effects of the ghost were amazing. Like they actually did really good work on the, like the hammer is amazing. Looking yeah. Um, so they put <clears throat> a lot of money into the budget for this one, uh, much more so than I would say they did for the, the Haunted Hill house. So, oh yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this was the second dark house production, wasn't it? Yeah, so they basically use whatever profits they got from the Hunting Hill House and yeah. like have at it, you know, make this thing into a... And even the glasses, the glasses look cute-ass in this movie. Like, yeah. they, look, they look ridiculous in the old movie, but they look pretty good in this one. I mean, they're more like, you know, what you'd imagine, just kind of like backlit, you know, like 3D glasses from movie theater, but the way they designed them, they, they look legit, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like the music was appropriate. It, yes. You know, I... I it gave like the the edge. The only thing I didn't like, I felt like the MTV style production they did for for like the editing was was bad for the movie. I mean, it might have helped like cover up any kind of production, you know, like trying to ease you know gloss over any kind of production issues they might have had. But they quick cut a lot of the action scenes to the point I was just like, come on, guys, you're making me sick with this. Like yeah. every time, like you you'd have like scene and it like quick cut and quick cut and like. You, it's hard to keep up with some of the action in the movie. I mean, I know that's kind of what they did at the time, but yeah, it, it gets a little old after a while. I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't, I didn't really quite notice that now that you're saying it. I get it. I guess that didn't bother me as much. I don't know. I, at towards the end it, it did when they had the fucking, uh, millennium Falcon going. 
Um, I just noticed it because they had some, some of the scenes that they took their time on, like whenever they cut the, uh, the lawyer in half, Mm -hmm. another good production scene that looks so frigging good. I mean, it's wet and it's bloody and gross, but they took their time on it. They they sit there for a second and then you see that outline of red just around the, yeah, just start sliding down. And I like how it only kind of slid for a little bit at first. Like it didn't just, you know, plop down. It just kind of was all stuck on there. It, it, it was really it's good. Like it's stuck, yeah. It's like they did a really good job of that, but then whenever they get to the scenes where like they start seeing the ghost, and I know why, why they did it. It was kind of just to symbolize that they were like, you know, the weird jerky way that the ghosts move, but it's like you see them and then they, it's like, bam, they, it flashes and, it, you know, it, you know, cuts to where they're somewhere else. And I don't know that, I felt like that kind of cheapened the, the, the actual physical effects they or you know makeup effects they put on the ghosts sometimes because you didn't really get a good uh, view of some of them whenever i really wanted to see what they look like because they put a lot of effort into them yeah i mean i don't know like for me the first time watching this i didn't want to see the ghost that thoroughly it was fucking (laughs) scary so i was like what i was getting was like it was just enough it was like hurting my chest but it was also like okay i'm good like you know as my pump is I, I, going off. It does make sense, though. And, I mean, whenever they're, like, lo- they're losing the glasses, I mean, you know, like if the glasses get knocked off and then they suddenly can't see the ghost and they, you know, blink out that way, that makes total sense because that's yeah. the whole point of the glasses. But it just kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, There was times, especially whenever um, um, uh, Matthew Lillard's character was, or Dennis was fighting the the two ghosts, the juggernaut and the, the hammer that, I kind of wish that I could have seen more of the action as opposed to all the quick cuts like here and yeah. there. And, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, I was thinking the same thing, too. Uh, a lot of the scenes where people were getting attacked, I was like, okay, wa- definitely want to see what's going on. <laughs> can, it, can we can we snap on those glasses? And Yeah, and then they, they would just show, like, uh, especially Shannon Elizabeth, like the scene where she's getting attacked by the jackal, and all you see is literally, like, she's – uh, getting like, uh, I think, I think it was her or, you yeah. know, but anyway, getting lifted uh, being, and getting scratched getting, and then getting the scratches, but you can't see anything. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it's effective to a degree, but then you, I mean, show the jackal. The jackal's pretty cool. Looking, yeah. So, I mean, they definitely needed to show more ghosts <laughs> in this film. Um, less titties and more ghosts. Eh, not less titties. <laughs> no, no, more ghost titties and more ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I want to say that, uh, I mean, as far as the acting went, really mixed bag. Uh, I liked the lawyer. I thought he did a good job. Uh, Matthew Lillard was great. Um, I didn't really care for the actress who played that spirit reclamation lady. She was just kind of, I mean, they didn't really give her much to go with, but she's, I don't know. She was just kind of there. Uh, F Murray Abraham. He was, he was good for what little he was in. Uh, I thought that they kind of under, uh, played uh, Tony Shalhoub a little bit. Like he, he's a great actor, and he didn't really get all he did was kind of just have teary eyes through most of the movie. He didn't really. <laughs> I don't feel like they got to use a lot of his range. He was a sad puppy. Um, and of course, we are, I already mentioned Shannon Elizabeth, not the you know not the strongest actress of her generation. And then they kind of don't give her much to work with. That was kind of weird. And then, but the worst is Rod Digga. Like I, man, yeah, I she. They didn't even need through. her. How did like she? <laughs> Why was she there? Just so that she could be the one that pulled the, you know, like the lever or whatever. Wasn't she the one that did that, like toward the end of the movie? That's yeah, she was. That's literally the only thing she did. But, I mean, with part of that family, why was she a part of the family? I didn't understand her role. I don't know what I missed. She was supposed to be the nanny, but that, that's what don't make any sense because it's like Shannon Elizabeth was way clearly old enough to take care of her and the, the little boy. Yeah, I mean, they and they didn't have any fucking money. <laughs> that's the other part. That's where I was so confused. I was like, I can understand having a nanny. I mean, like, maybe someone to clean the house, someone to cook dinner. Maybe Shannon Elizabeth can't be there the whole time, but you don't have maybe, any money. I, I think Tony Shalhoub just, just needed a, a port to, you know, uh, any port in a storm, you know, like he was just in that in a bad way. And, you know, she was there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? <laughs> With when in terms of Shannon Elizabeth too, she was in that film to draw people to the film, because they're like, yes. "Fuck, we're gonna she see Nadia." Yes, they, they put they put her name on there a name and, and a face and a the... body, and then they were like, "Oh," <laughs> but then they got to see ghost titties, and then it was okay. Uh, speaking of that, you do get to see her more in the Raw, as it were, in the Night of the Demons remake. So 
Okay. Go watch it. <laughs> Got to see her pretty well in uh, American Pie. Oh, well, you definitely get to see her pretty well in that. I really think, though, that it was probably she was just tired of being that, and I don't blame her a bit. But I just feel like they did her a disservice by giving her a bit part. Like, you know, they, they played her up as being this big part of the movie to sell it, and then she's barely in it. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, and then I don't know. Would you feel like, I mean, as far as the, uh, the story itself, I mean, it, it kind of tied into the old one a little bit. They had some, you know, tie-ins a little bit that way, but. I feel like these are two completely different movies, other than the fact that you have <laughs> a character who is down on his luck that comes upon a fortune of some sorts, you know, not knowing. A relative. If, yeah, that, yeah, of a relative, that strange relative and things like that. Yeah, that was all a thing. But the ghost, the main part of the story, the title, the 13 ghosts, two completely different stories. By far. And at least with the second one, you've got somewhat of a backstory. You may not have gotten the backstory you wanted, but you definitely got enough to get you by. You got enough to understand what was going on to why the ghosts were being collected. You got a story of what was going to happen once they formed this collection of ghosts. Everything kind of led to something. And I feel like they, like they, the medium was uh, Matthew Lillard's character was supposed to be, you know, uh, Margaret Hamilton's character from the original. I mean, oh, yeah. she was the medium in that one. He was the medium in this, but I, I like the fact they made him more of a physical medium. Like when he touched you, he could like sense your life yeah. story. You know, that was kind of a cool thing. He was very sensitive. He was very spiritually sensitive. Yeah. I enjoyed the story in it. I just felt like at times it was more like, uh, you know, it, they they had a good base and then they then they just played it up for like the puzzle box for a good short. There was a period there in the middle of the movie where kind of the story didn't matter. It was like, oh, this piece of the puzzle moved. You know, you better get your ass out of there before the hammer kills you. you know? Yeah. Like it it kind of devolved into that for a bit and then they came back out and, you know, showed some more with the Ocularis Infernum and then brought a little bit more back in and it was kind of like, okay, you know, it, it was a little bit hit or miss there toward the end, but I liked the overall story and the way they set it up much better than the original movie for sure. Yeah, they definitely use, again, I'm going to go back to the scenery because they went for the look of the ghost and the look of the house and the filming itself. They went for all of that and they were probably like, this is going to sell the film more than anything. <laughs> yes, we got this, this plot line and everything, Uh Maybe they thought that it was finished. Maybe they didn't because I'm thinking there was more that could have happened. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think they yes. still did a really good job with everything else. The distraction of the scenery is very impressive and not to be, you know, distant anyway. Yeah, you, you can't you can't underplay the actual scenery itself. I mm -hmm. mean, but I, yeah, I feel like they they kind of short shifted or, you know, uh, their their own plot there for a bit just to kind of focus on the, not that it was bad. I mean, on, but on their stellar production, they kind of just like, yeah, forget all that story stuff. Look at all the cool shit that we did, you know? Yeah. And it seems like at the beginning it was short enough, the whole story of to how he, the, the wife became the jilted lover and things like that. It seemed short enough, but it also seemed like they could have cut some of it out, you know? That's what I that's what I was thinking about this movie. It's weird. It's like they give you seems like at times they don't give you enough story and then whenever they do give you story, it's like, Man, you went to a lot of detail on that. Why the yeah. frig did you do that? Like you didn't need that. It's like they, they it's a it's weird. Like they didn't have a good balance to any of it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> do we want to get in any kind of discussion of it? Like more than what we are, because I I mean I wanna get into kind of like overall how I feel about the film and everything. I mean, uh, do you want to do that now, or do you want me to do some trivia? And then I, I don't know. I'm so torn on that, because I see the trivia, and I'm like, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's hear about some trivia. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, it start. you know, in this movie, you know, the characters need the special glasses, and, you know, and in the original, you know, viewing, it was actually the audience who needed the glasses to actually see the ghost. Oh, that would have been cool um, in this one. They actually could have pulled that off in 1999. They, they they talked about doing that with a newer one, but then like uh, Dark Castle like nixed the idea right before it happened. So, um, the effect for the torso was achieved using a double amputee wearing a special black hood that could be used to digitally remove his head. So there you go. That's what they did for the torso. All right, all right, giving people jobs. I get it. 
The uh, special effects and sound mixing were so elaborate in this film that many people claim that the movie was physically painful to sit through. What? Yeah. They're saying that like the, the loud bangs and the way that, you know, stuff has just, it, it actually hurt them to like, you know, that's like good. <laughs> I didn't experience that. And I saw it I in didn't the film experience it either. So I must've watched it in the shitty theater. That's all I can say. Yeah. I watched it in film and of, of course I watched it at home. Um, I know it's not the same at home, but still damn. <laughs> um, of all the creature makeup created for the film, the angry princess required <laughs> the longest time to apply at five hours. The, the, you imagine being that lady and like just your, your tits hanging out and then you got to have makeup applied for that long. I mean that. Mm. I wonder if, hold on, which, let me see. Which that was probably prosthetic too. So I don't know. Let me take a look at her outside of the film. What is this? Oh, there's, it just shows her, her a main film obviously was this. Yeah, yeah. She looks, I mean, not in the, um, film she looks very yeah very painted for sure um do we have any images of her not in the fucking film <laughs> she refuses to have pictures taken oh unless I mean, because there's a really old picture of her and she her titties are not that big so perhaps oh wait nope i don't know who that is that looks like a porn star there she is there. Hold on. I'm looking. I'm looking. No, actually, I think you're right. I think her titties were prosthetics. Oh, that's a shame. Um, the writing that's etched on the walls in the glass house translates to the Lord's Prayer. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that's really cool. Used mm-hmm. for protection. Uh, was it? It's translated, so it was in Latin. Was it in um, Latin? Yeah, I believe it was. Okay. I was just reading this next one. This kind of ties into what you just said in a weird way. Shauna Lawyer's only film, she attracted a small cult following thanks to her brief role as the Angry Princess. A rumor circulated that the role was actually played by a porn actress named Aria Giovanni using a pseudonym, but this is incorrect. Miss Giovanni was in an adult parody titled 13 Erotic Girls <laughs> that came out in 2002. Why didn't we have... We we needed we we needed our special contributor for this one. We we messed up, folks. We we really we really screwed up on this one. Hey, he does two to three minute you know reviews. We could probably have him do that. <laughs> Thirteen um, erotic ghosts. Okay, I'm googling. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Herbert Duncanson, who plays the Hammer, was not originally hired as an actor for the film, but as a stand-in for reference and test shots. When the original actor cast for the role never showed up, he was given the role of that ghost as a last-minute replacement, as there was no time to hold auditions for a recast. Fucking lucky. Yeah. Uh, Duncan McLeod's uh, Dragon Katana from Highlander was used as one of the swords in Cyrus's collection. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, the first film from a major American studio with three Arab uh, uh, American leads, Tony Shalhoub, F. Murray Abraham, and Shannon Elizabeth. I didn't know she was Arab American. That's that's interesting. Shannon Elizabeth? Yeah. I think I did know that. It wasn't something that I had remembered, but all righty. Oh, my God. Now, did you find it? <laughs> no, but in Googling 13 Erotic Ghosts, I did find it, but really nothing to... Uh, to talk about yet, but I did find another movie called The Bear Wench Project. It's a oh my God. porn parody of the Blair Witch. It's pretty funny. I'll have to share it into the Scooby Gang. Anyways, moving on. Research, we need to research porn parodies for the films we're doing prior to doing this. I think that's like a good addition. To this yeah, program. I think so too, especially as quick of a review. <laughs> the uh, Minuteman um, reviews the reg- we're getting. <laughs> yeah. In uh, the original 13 Ghosts, uh, the nephew inherited the mansion with Cyrus uh, Zorba. In this movie, the uncle who left the, the mansion or to his nephew is Cyrus Criticos. So they just kind of stole it, swapped the name out there. Uh, Steph, Steve Beck's directorial debut after it, Beck would only direct one more film, the similarly themed Ghost Ship. Oh, which is shit. dog shit. Yeah. We won't be covering that this season. Just Wait, throwing that out there for folks. Ghost Ship? Yeah. We're not, I thought we, was there a different film I'm thinking of that we like? That's liked? the one where they cut, is that the one they cut the people's heads off at the beginning of it? Yeah, you didn't like that film? I liked that first five minutes, the rest of the film. Yeah, is- that's true. <laughs> Maybe we, we can, can review just, first- yeah. 
Well, let's discuss the first five minutes of it in an episode dedicated to something else, and then we'll, we'll call it that. Sounds like a plan. Um, let's see. Shannon Elizabeth is one year younger than Rod Digga, who played her nanny. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Like, she clearly looked too old to even need a nanny. That, that plot point makes no damn sense. Yeah, she's like the older sister or something, and she's like, I don't know if she's supposed to be a teenager, but she looks like she's in her mid to late 20s. She mid to late twenties. That's exact. She she was too old to be playing a teenager at this point. Yeah. Um, and her brother was like eight. Days. What's that? Her brother was like eight or ten or something. Oh yeah, it's like ridiculous age difference. Um, one of the shooting days for this film, for reshoot specifically, unfortunately happened to be on September eleventh, two thousand one. Oh shit. Um, when word of the terrorist attacks in the World Trade Center reached the cast and crew on set, they all shared a moment of silence together before resuming production. Oh, Director sh- Steve Beck was noticeably uncomfortable for the entire day. Holy shit. Yeah. That's insane. That, that, uh, Rod Digga's last acting role is she did not desire to pursue a full-time film acting career and stuck with her passion for music. Oh, my Good God. What? Rod Digga? Good, choice. What were you, Good choice. Come on, girl. You had a chance. This was your, like, role, girl. <laughs> What's that line from uh, Robin Hood Men Tots? Good change. Good oh change. <laughs> Uh, it took five hours for John DeSantis to get fitted into the makeup to play the juggernaut and another three hours to take God it off. Damn. Yeah. That's five bad. hours to get in and three hours to get off. Yeah. What the hell dude? Like what? There's gotta I be mean, some kind of behind the scenes. I mean, legend says that it's that even Sting could get off in a shorter amount of time than that. Shut the hell up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I'm cutting your mic. That's it. Uh, The Torn Prince's name is Royce Clayton, and he was an aspiring baseball player. In reality, there was a major league baseball player named Royce Clayton. He played for several teams between 1991 and 2007. Did he die in a greaser race is all I want to know. Grease lightning. I I don't know, but he had chills, and they were multiplying. So there you go. Uh, in the special feature section of the 12 ghosts of the Black Oh, you're Zodiac. missing one. No, no, no. You're missing a good one. You're missing a good one. Uh, oh, John DeSantis, Juggernaut, was gifted a finished life cast by the production after filming wrapped up as a memento. That's fucking badass. That'd that be would scary. be cool to have in your house. It'd be I, cool, I, I, but I, it'd be scary. Like, I wouldn't want it. Not gonna lie. I, every time that I would go, go by that in my house, I would, like, freak out. You'd like, be like, I think this. You know, what the, <laughs> you know? How would your wife feel about that? Uh, uh, she probably would have it burned. Oh, my it, God. And then it would somehow reappear in the house, and then there you go. That's how you get cursed item. You're just like, guys, guys, she gotta, we got to get her good. Like, we <laughs> got to send me another one. Uh, in the special feature section of the 12 Ghosts of the Black Zodiac, the backstory of the Bound Woman Ghost shows a newspaper clipping regarding her death. It includes a reference to an Inspector Labeda, uh, William Labeda, and Picture Mill created the titles for the film. Oh, nice. So, uh, Roger Ebert, there you go, praised the production, saying the production is first rate, the physical look of the picture is splendid. However, he criticized the story, <laughs> lack of interesting characters, the loud soundtrack, and the poor editing. This, is this one time that I agree with this asshole? Like, he literally just stated everything I just said about this thing. I do only partially agree with him because the editing, okay, yes, I can agree with that. The loud soundtrack was so good that people said it physically caused them pain. Uh, yeah, I, and I actually agree. I think the soundtrack was decent. Uh, Lack was of interesting good, characters. Actually. The characters, in my opinion, were interesting. Maybe the main characters, but the ghosts, again, the I ghosts consider cool. the ghosts were the main characters. I don't care about the alive people, really. They did I, I, okay. Well, clearly the screenwriters didn't either, but that's a whole other point. Yeah, so I think the characters were interesting. Um, there was a few that might not have been okay, like Billy the Kid. Fuck it. The, Off with that fucker. Billy the Kid. Talk about something that would not play well today. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's dead, so uh, it's okay. <laughs> this this is hilarious. True to form, in 2005, he included on his list the most hated films. Hated it. <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's ever a movie that we're going to review on here that he didn't hate. I'm just oh, going to throw that out there. God, he, it's a, he was like the critic. Like we talked about the John Lovitz character. <laughs> it stinks. It stinks. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, I really believe that character was based on him. But that's it has a whole to other be. Argument. Uh, C. Ernst Harth, who plays the great child, a character dressed up as baby, would play a similarly dressed character in Trick Treat, the 2007 film. Oh. I wonder if was he. I didn't look this up, but I wonder if he's one of those kids that was on the special needs bus that had like the baby face on it and the bib. I wonder if that was him that was playing that character. Probably. Been pretty, that would have been pretty cool. Hmm. Um, excluding the opening scene, the entire film's events take place over the course of a single day. Oh, yeah. It's kind of. That's that's a good point. Uh, Warner Brothers and Dark Castle Entertainment originally planned to release this film in 3D and carry over the gimmick from the original 13 Ghost, uh, where you need the glasses to see the ghost in the film, but the plans were scrapped. So. Yeah, I'm wondering if the budget was just becoming too much. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I feel like the gimmick would have sold it more in theaters, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, child actor Alec Roberts took a hiatus from acting after this film to finish on uh, to focus on finishing his schoolwork. He ultimately decided not to return to acting, not wishing to pursue it as a full time career. Okay, respect, respect. Yeah, I, you know, there's reasons why people don't go back into this. I've heard some Hollywood horror stories and how Hollywood is not for kids. Wherever it's, you want to take that in your in your brain. Um, What's well, yeah. There's some really bad stories about that. Exactly. Um, I mean, just I hate to say it, but look at Corey Feldman. He is a he's a mess. Yeah, he's a flat out mess. Um, it's kind of weird though. The child actors in both of these movies, or the original and this one, that this was both their last acting career. It's maybe like a film curse. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, the film, which was only the second Dark Castle Entertainment production, was a critical failure and a what? financial disappointment. Although it surpassed its budget, $68.5 million on a $42 million budget, when uh, t- accounting for advertising and marketing costs, the film lost money. This discouraged Warner Brothers from remaking more William Castle horror films, which was the original plan for Dark Castle Entertainment, and the next release was Ghost Ship, was based on original screenplay. That film was also a critical failure, but... Like I said, it's got five minutes of really good at stuff, and then uh, not not so good. I wonder what they would have remade though if they'd remade some of his other movies. Yeah. Hmm. Damn it. Because I mean, they, they were on a good track with these. I mean, they were doing pretty good with them. A critical failure, like really? Damn. Like, what is it now, though? You know. It's found an audience on, like, you know, like, cult audience on, like, you know, media release, like, yeah. you know, DVD and Blu-ray and that sort of thing. So, Scream Factory uh, even came out with, like, a collector's edition. Like, it's got all these special features about the making of, you know, documentary, you know, like, it's got, like, audio commentaries. I mean, it's it's filled to the brim. So, um Matthew Harrison plays Damon, uh, Kalina's companion at the beginning of the movie. Damon is a version of the ancient Greek word Damon, which means demon or devil. So, <laughs> you know, that goes. Uh, the Withered Lover is the fourth ghost of the Black Zodiac. She has been uh, walking with a, uh, let's see, she is seen walking with a IV with her. IV in Roman numerals is equal to four. But I'm But I'm um, Shannon Elizabeth didn't actually know that this film was a remake before she joined production, not even knowing that the original 13 Ghosts existed. Shannon, I didn't either, so don't feel bad about that. Um, only finding out partway through filming. Oh, my God. In the original 13 Ghosts, the protagonist, Elaine, was the dead uncle's uh, psychic female assistant who was also the housekeeper. I don't know where they get Elaine. That wasn't her name. Well, I don't think that was her name. Anyways, in the remake, she is separated into three characters, Dennis, Kalina and then Maggie, the housekeeper. So they kind of took her one character and, you know, spread out her yeah. roles in the movie to three different characters. Um, I did. Uh, I did know that her name was Elaine in the original. They said it. Okay. Let's see. Uh, theatrical film debut of Rod Diggin, also her last movie, apparently. Um, it's uh, the, uh, the movie Carmen, a hip hopera that she was oh, in. God. Oh, <laughs> These, her the tiles of her films get worse and worse. Well, Carmen was uh, it, it, there's an actual I want to say it's a Broadway play. Um, Carmen yes. and Beyonce played the main character, which is Carmen, and yes, it was a hip hop. Oh my god, I didn't. It was not. made for television films. So it was go. yes, and I remember they advertised that thing. Oh my, I want to say what two thousand. Oh yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two is what I was thinking. Um. Oh my god! 
I couldn't. Even back then, I was not excited for it, so I never watched it. <laughs> um, five of the ghosts and several of the minor characters were played by Canadians. The movie was filmed in British Columbia, and it's cheaper uh, for production to hire local actors from the area than it is to fly American actors to the set for every single role. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. They're so Canadians, you're cheap. <laughs> Uh, F. Murray Abraham has stated that he only did this film for the money. No, <laughs> what? Hold on. Here's our surprised faces. Womp womp. <laughs> um, Kalina's uh, death where she is crushed between two glass panels. That actually was a good scene. Too, that was such a it. cool scene. I loved it. Was originally much gorier uh, with shots of her eyes popping out and her brain squirting out. Uh, the scene was cut down in the end as the director feared that such a gory death would earn the film an NC-17 rating. He's probably right. It would have. Yeah, but dang. Uh, I mean, I cut, come on. <laughs> Deleted scenes or something? Like, cut scenes? Yeah. Uh, when the Criticos family is driving to see Cyrus's house, a uh, scene shows Kalina gathering materials, seemingly prepared for a fight to stop the culmination of Cyrus's work. However, when she packs audio recorded spells, you can see both drawing spells and containment spells. Kalina packs drawing spells, alluding to the fact that she was working for Cyrus all along. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't catch that. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I just thought she oh. was a smart occultist type person. I, like, oh, she knows them. things. She She's fighting for the rights of spirit. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Although the ghosts are explained to be dangerous and capable of killing by Dennis and Kalina, the juggernaut is the only ghost that directly kills uh, anyone. He uh, kills Cyrus's workers in the junkyard, and then he later kills Dennis with the help of the hammer. And the juggernaut's backstory, blah, 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 serial killer. Um, let's see. Uh, the angry princess technically didn't kill Benjamin Moss as she simply lured him into a trap door that sliced him in half. She does try to kill Maggie, though, before Dennis tells her to get out of the way. Uh, and the jackal nearly kills Kathy when he, she, when he attacks her before Kalina saves her and later tries and fails to kill Arthur. Cyrus is ultimately killed when all the ghosts uh, fling him into the rotating blade, slicing him to pieces. Wow. <laughs> that was so cool. Of all the deaths in the movie, Dennis is, is the first major character to die by the hands of a ghost, if you don't count the angry princess tricking, ben, tricking Benjamin Moss. Uh, if one does not count the junkyard scene, at the end of the movie, the body count is four in this movie. You got Benjamin Moss, Dennis, Kalina, and then Cyrus. So that's really not a hot... I mean, for all the, you know, the crazy-looking you know killer ghosts in this, they don't really have that big of a kill count. Yeah, and why didn't uh, the lawyer... Become a ghost. That's a good question, I, and, I, and there's no explanation in the movie why he didn't get trapped inside. Because you, because the whole thing is it's supposed to trap spirits. Even like my my headcanon is if you get killed in the house, because Dennis does. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, it applies to him. It, I mean, the the special protections of the walls keep spirits from leaving. So that even includes spirits that are meant to move on to the other side, even yeah. if they wanted to, they couldn't. Um. In the original script for the film, the plot was supposed to take place over the course of a few days with a subplot that he would fall in love with a lawyer, Benjamin Moss. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Sh you know, uh, Shane Elizabeth would have had more of a uh, yeah. you know, plot in this. But director Steve Beck didn't like some of those ideas and nixed them. One particularly egregious one, according to him, was Maggie uh, originally being the mole used to lure Arthur and his family to the house and subsequently changed that to clean and be the mole instead. So Rod Digger was going to be the bad guy in this. Ooh, Rod Digger. <laughs> uh, according to the uh, director's commentary, the creators were surprised they managed to get away with filming Benjamin Moss's death the way they did without having to use any discretion shots. That's a good point. There's a lot of gore in that scene, and, they, and the MPAA didn't give a shit, apparently. I mean, it was so cool. <laughs> it's the be it's one of the best kill scenes in a movie period uh i mean i'm i'm throwing in slashers in there i mean i, I would be hard pressed to think of a kill scene that like jason or freddy or any of them had that that you know it was like somebody i mean they had like people falling in half like that but that really showed like the inside his organs because where it was on the other side yeah. of the uh, glass oh my god i remember seeing that and i was like Good God, I have forgotten about this scene, and I was so excited. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? 
Um, so go ahead, uh, discuss your uh, thoughts about this movie. Uh, okay. So much like the first film, although typically I've been noticing a trend with myself that after watching a movie such as this one, the newer one again for the second time, usually like I liked it before, but I didn't like it the second time. A little bit less. yeah. Yeah. And that's not the case. Um, not much has changed with this. I mean, other than I've noticed a few more irritating things, you know, that I was like, what's this, what's this, why this, you know, but very few, the scenery is a very good distraction as I like to call it in this film. Um, at least they gave us some more movies. You can't even get an ounce of it out of some movies. And at least they made the effort in this film. Uh, even with all that beautiful scenery that I still think they could have gotten away with, with just dealing with that, they got a bad review anyways. They basically, <laughs> they basically were told they didn't have a good storyline and the movie was a critical failure. <laughs> they got it anyways. They could have just, they could have done less and I thought it still would have been pretty good. I mean, not a perfect yeah. film by any means, but I still really liked it. It held up really well for me. Yeah, I'm going to admit, like, when I first saw this, I was only so-so on it whenever I saw it back in in the day. I don't know what, I, I really, this and House on Hill, Haunted Hill both, like, when I first saw them in the theaters back when they first came out, I was just like, mm, I don't know what, I mean, what movies I was holding this against that, you know, I couldn't appreciate them, but I actually enjoyed both of them quite a bit more going back and rewatching them now, like, because... You go back and look at that time period, they really stand out amongst some of the other ones oh, that yeah. came out around that time. Um, Definitely. My biggest problem is I'm trying to, like in my mind, I keep going back and forth of between this and House on Hunted Hill, which ones I appreciate the more. Oh, I like yeah. the characters and I like the story, the way it played out a little bit better in House on Hunted Hill. But this one clearly had the better production. Yeah. Clearly had the better, like, you know, thread as far as the ghost because that CGI mess that was in House on Haunted Hills kind of, you know, <laughs> a big detraction. I don't know. Like, I, my rating, like, I keep wanting to give it, like, a little bit lower than House on Haunted Hill. But, like, you know, for every other thing that's got going, I want to give it above that. So I guess I'll stick with the rating I gave it originally in the, in the show notes, which was, you know, spoiler alert, higher than the House on Haunted Hill, but only barely, you know. But, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, did you did you give your rating? Did you say it? I have not said them yet. Do you want me to give mine and then you'll give yours? Hmm. Let me go first. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I'm start with the original one. I'm not gonna say much because we've already discussed it already, <laughs> but I still liked it. I still think I'm thinking like that sheltered fifties, you know, person. Home, home, you know, what do you call it? Those stay-at-home moms, housewife, mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah. Or even uh, a kid that's not allowed to see anything or listen to the cool rock and roll music. Um, and while it's not perfect, I, I still want to give it like a three out of five because, I mean, I don't know. I still liked it. I still liked it. Okay. I got enjoyment out of the film, okay? Um, and then for 13 Ghosts with the 13 in the title – not the letters like the Satan intended. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give that one. God, now that I think about it, comparing the two, I got to, I got to give the original two because I'm giving the newer one a four and I can't have them mm -hmm. that close together. <laughs> I would not give them that close of a rating. Yeah. So, uh, that's a good idea. I can't, I can't keep them that close together. Uh, the newer one, I cannot get over how much production they put into this film. It looked it's, so it's good. It's crazy good. Um, I really, even when we didn't research before we, back in the day when I watched this and I didn't research the backstory of the ghosts, I was like, that's fucking scary. Like what went on in their lives that caused them to be this way? You know, so yeah. it was interesting before it was interesting, in my opinion. I can't believe it was considered a failure. I'm, I'm really upset about that because I just thought it was a great film. So my ratings on this are quite a bit, <laughs> I mean, they're close. They're close on the one side, but they're really drastically different on the other one. So I gave the first film a 0. 0.5 out of five. Like it's not <laughs> even a full point. I got to have a, I got to have a base level for some of these things. We've got some, we've got some stinkers, you know, at some point in the future, La Llorona that, you know, came out. 
uh, is, is pretty damn bad. I, I got to have a base level and this is it. This, this is the, the base level I'm operating off of. This is some shit. So the, the original is 0.5. Jesus. Uh, and, and, but the, the new one is a 4.1. I oh. gave the house on haunted hill a 4.0. So this is edging it out. Okay. Um, I wavered on a 3.9 to a 4.1, but I think I'm going to stick with a 4.1 because you kind of talked me back into it because that production is badass in this movie. It really is. And and I love Matthew Lillard in the movie, and, and that scene is just so good with with Benjamin Moss being cut in half. I got to give it the I, the edge just for that scene because I can't I can't even remember a scene in A House on Haunted Hill that was as good as that. There, yeah. I don't think there was one. Well, Kalina so. getting squished too. I oh, even yeah. I even liked what's his name Zorba. I even liked him getting tossed into the fucking spinny abyss. So except for it was the CGI mess, but yeah, yeah. It was it was a good end for that character. So I agree with you on I that. I think what was cool um, about it is I really liked the ghosts that were around. They were kind of just in this weird stuckness, you know. Yeah, they being were a all in a circle, a like, and they were trapped in like a certain position. That was kind of cool. Yeah, all of it. I don't know. It just kind of added to it. I just really liked it. So, I mean, that's that's what I've got for this one. It's a, a big change between the old one and the new one when it comes to my opinion on them. So. Well, yeah, I mean, and I get it. I get, you know, I don't know. Maybe I just have such fond memories of 13 Ghosts specifically, like I said, as a little one, um, watching it with Grandma Beans and everything and thinking it was scary back then. But I've had other films that I used to watch as a little one that I was like, wow, that was really scary back then. And now I'm like, what the fuck? You know? If nostalgia plays into it, I can totally understand that. I mean, but my introduction to horror is is the original Universal's Frankenstein. Yeah, so, like I, it's it's hard. I mean, when that's your when that's what got you into it, it's hard for me to go back and look at something like this and appreciate anything they put into it. I'll say this about Thirteen Goes, the original, is that it was entertaining. You know, and they they had <laughs> it is in the wrong way, but it, it is. is yeah, and they had to have a certain. I don't know. Think about like think about the new Thirteen Ghosts and why they decided not to show brains and eyeballs popping out. They had a certain standard they wanted to stick with. Probably was the same thing in the fifties, you know, because probably much worse back then. Way worse. And back then, it was like they had to make it entertaining, but they also had to add this horror element without being, I don't know, labeled as the strange director or the weird person. Even though William Castle kind of became a cult classic, whereas when you have Universal's monsters, you know. When you have those, that had a cult following almost immediately. And those people were like the weird people. They were people we would relate to today. (laughs) But, you know, people who watch that stuff, they were the bad seeds, you know. A lot of things came with that. So, I don't know. I think it was just, maybe it was just too safe of a film. You know what movie came out at the same the same exact year as this though, hmm. and I, I just because I had to look it up just now because I was like, wait, when did this movie come out? Psycho came out the same exact Jesus year as the Christ. original Thirteen Ghost. So, and then who? Wait, that, and who was the director of that? Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, who was who started his idea of making the movies because of the original House on Haunted Hill? So yes. <laughs> Okay, and I guess he was kind of new. Yeah, he was new back then, so. Yeah, and Psycho. But Psycho also didn't have a lot of, you had to use more of your, you had to think with Psycho. You had to use more of your imagination. It was more of the imagination, but it was outright, I mean, it's night and day. I mean, like I said, if they intended this movie to be funny, then they succeeded. But And the music intended... in Psycho, way better. Sound effects. Ooh. Oh, oh man. Every- everything in that movie is a lot better you think so that alfred hitchcock actually had a shitty soundtrack and then he like saw caught a glimpse of this movie he's like ah, fuck that shit <laughs> <laughs> i do not want to sound well, like I'm a fucking freak like show that, <laughs> um but yeah it's uh i was wondering because i was like wait we're not that far removed from some of the other movies that started coming out like you know rosemary's baby and you know like, yeah we're, we're like really not away. And and I was like, wait, when did Psycho? And I looked, and I'm like, same damn year. So, yeah, William Castle played a... it just a little too safe. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm just saying, if you're going to use the you know the morals of the '50s or you know that they just came through against them, Psycho was definitely the diverging point from all that because they they really kind of moved away from some of that stuff in that movie. Oh yeah. 
Anyways, oh my God, I cannot believe we did a review of two movies in two hours. That's not bad. We're usually a three hour <laughs> type, you know? Sometimes even yeah. when we're just doing one film. <laughs> well, I think part of it is too, is that we're not like breaking them down like in super oh, yeah. depth. Uh, wicked, like, wicked, I mean, I don't feel like either one of these movies really needed that to begin with. I mean, they're no. not like, the plots are not that intricate to really need that kind of breakdown. If you haven't watched them, definitely just watch the first one one time and that and you're one and done okay you're good we watched it more than once so that you didn't have to watch i don't even think the reverend did i did no i watched it once and if you're going to watch it i recommend that you have an adult beverage of your choice <laughs> and maybe even partake in some other you know uh, you know drink every time you hear a cheesy strange noise <laughs> and try not to die Try not to become the thirteenth ghost. If you have a dispensary and it's legal, you might want to do that too. Oh. I'm just throwing it out there. And then for the uh, for the second one or the the remake, if you will, watch it over and over because it's a really good film. Pick out the and, things and, you don't like. And to make sure you've got the uh, remote ready for the scenes with the angry princess. Yes. So pause in there. You know, some... get a good eye full of those prosthetic boobies. You know, ghost titties. I bet you there's a porn parody called Ghost Titties. Well, we have the 13 erotic ghosts. Yeah. I mean, you've already got that built into it. Oh, my God. Anyways. All right. Any, pl any plugs you got going on here? I got nothing going on. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> Blue Collar BS has not been on the past two weeks. It's not going to be on, excuse me, last week. This week, it's not going to be on because the hubs is still in Southern California living up the life, learning how to be a, a Lexus certified tech. <laughs> um, and then he's going to be gone again next week also in Southern California still. Wait, is he secretly infiltrating like a group of, uh, of, uh, uh, surfers who also do like robberies on the side, you know, dressed up as presidents. Is he, has he got that going on? Is that, is that what he's doing with his life right now? If he is, he's not telling me. I think he's afraid I'm going to tell. I don't know. But he's going to be gone, so they're not doing any shows. Uh, Hot Mess Express, I have not gotten my Hot Mess bitches back in here. I am now like, and uh, to be fair, I've been really busy. I've been doing all that baseball stuff. Super busy. That's the reason this thing's kind yeah, of so Yeah, which is why, I mean, that's another reason I had to kind of put in my resignation papers. I, am st I still belong to them through fall. Uh, they might slowly ease me off as they bring new people in to kind of take over my position. But holy shit. Yeah. So I'm trying to get my podcast life back. I'm even having a hard time doing Rain Man. So <laughs> and, and they barely let you talk. So that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, I've been having Internet issues, which is why I'm on the husband's computer, because I can't plug my computer, the jack to plug in the um, Ethernet. It's not working. So, You're yeah. Have to get you a Walmart special. So they can't can hear me you. when I'm talking, by the way. They have a hard time hearing me now that I have. Yeah, I know. I need to get a Walmart special. Um, so, yeah. Just look at They only say that they can't hear you. That's selective hearing. And they're like, they're like this the bitch. woman's talking. Fuck just it. talk over top of her. Ugh, just, yeah. I know. <laughs> I hate it. Um, look at Follow us. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Death Holler. Um, we have a website. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, but if you want to get updates and you want to know what's going on with any shows, just look at like and subscribe, share with your friends, and you'll be able to know what we're doing next. Which, what are we doing next, Reverend? Ghostbusters. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't look forward to the amount of research I've got to do on this. The movies are not going to be that bad because I've watched them so many times. It's ridiculous. But the research, you, I've got to give them the due that they're, the, you know, that they got coming to them. I mean, they're, they're the best. So. Um, which, okay, all of them? Uh, not the shitty remake. Okay. So we're, we're going to acknowledge it exists and then we're going to kick it into the stratosphere and, and be done with it. Um, <laughs> We're going to obviously cover the cover the first movie because it is the best and probably one of the best horror comedies of all time. Um, and then we're uh, I love part two. I know a lot of people think it's inferior to the first, and it is in ways. But part two is to me, I love it. Love you part know? two. And we can cover Afterlife if you want to. I'm like I have not watched you know. it, but that'll give me a good excuse to watch it. I know the <laughs> hubs and the kids have. To. Yeah, kids and the hubs have seen it. 
I hope you all enjoy it because I'm still iffy on it. I, there's parts that are good, but then I feel like it could have. It's like it just got a Stranger Things feel to it, and I don't know if yeah. I want that in a Ghostbusters movie. I did watch portions of it, and I was like, "This feels like Stranger Things." So I agree with you at least on that aspect, but I haven't seen the whole thing. So and and it's no slight to that Wolf Reinhardt or whatever that kid's name is because I know he's in Stranger Things, but. Everything they had him in the the remake for uh, it, and it kind of had a Stranger Things vibe. Yes, to it. it's it, like everything he's in. Is it know? like a curse that follows him or something? I don't even know. I think he gets typecast. I think people are like, oh, we need a character like Stranger Things. Oh, well, he's here. Let's yeah, just here he is. He's for but hire, speaking everyone. That, speaking of that tangent, but like they showed like the red carpet for the newest Stranger Things. Those mm-hmm. kids are grown up now. Like they they don't look like kids anymore at all. Like, are they playing uh, kids? Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven. Mm-hmm. I was just like, she's, I mean, she's like a model now. Like, she's oh, gorgeous. Like, yeah. I mean, what, what happened to this kid, you know? <laughs> I don't know how they're going to play that in the films, but, I, oh, not films, the show, but it's coming. And I'm actually pretty excited. My kids are excited. excited they, didn't even watch, they didn't even watch the second season. I'm like, uh-uh, you don't get to be excited. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, that's what we got coming up is, is Ghostbusters. And then after that, we'll, we'll have to see. There, there's so many ghost movies I want to cover, but I don't know if we'll have the time. We'll just have to do what we can with them. Oh, my God. Uh, I bet you there's a Ghostbusters porn parody. Oh, I'm, I'm positive there because is. Because Bustin' makes me feel good. <laughs> oh, my. Well, and there's that whole scene in the first movie that we're going to have to bring up where Ray gets a BJ from a ghost. If you remember that, that they might've cut it out in some of the edits, but uh, Dan Aykroyd's laying on a bed and all of a sudden his pants are getting up zip and his eyes get all big <laughs> and he's just like, you know, head rolls back. So, I mean, you know, um, yeah, they, well, they probably did it. If they don't show it in the film or the ones we review, they'll definitely, they'll definitely be a Ghostbusters porn parody. That'll definitely <laughs> we'll, happen. We will have our special contributor on the case for that one. Yes, definitely. All righty. Well, I guess that's it for us. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs>